Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. After surgery, the recovery process can be a different journey for every single woman. So this episode, Richard and Kim are going to tell us what to expect and how to look after yourself. Welcome back to the studio, Kim and Richard. Thanks for having us, Alex. Hi, Alex. All right. Well, let's jump into recovery. How long does it take the average patient to recover from a breast reduction? Probably about six weeks before they're totally back to being allowed to do everything and back to being their new normal, I guess. But the recovery period immediately after the surgery is much shorter than most people would think. Patients go home at day one, so there's been one night in hospital. Um, Generally, pain isn't significant, usually taking regular simple pain relief tablets during the day and sometimes some stronger pain relief overnight. We encourage patients to be up and about whilst not doing anything too strenuous, particularly for the first week. Most of them would be off their work, depending on what they do, just for one week. If someone had a more physical job, then um, probably two to three weeks off work. so they'll be able to move around and be be very comfortable doing everyday things after about a week. Absolutely, um, can shower from the first day. So that's a that's a question that um, women love to have answered. That they can wash their hair, they can move their arms above their head. Um, I always tell them that pick all the housework chores that they dislike doing, and they. You know, don't have to do those, but uh, um, off to someone else. In the absolutely, family. but you know, even things like hanging out, washing, not carrying a heavy washing basket, but hanging out the washing, you know, single items at a time is fine from the first few days. And I encourage people to be moving their arms and not sort of wrapping themselves in cotton wool and feeling afraid to do anything. So we've talked before uh, when on breast augmentation about Franken boob. Tell our listeners what that is and whether you experience that as well in breast reductions. So a Frankenboob is kind of a sort of a invention out of social media to describe the early stages after a breast augmentation where the breast implant sits quite high on the chest. So uh, it looks like the, the breasts are popping out of the bra um, and over, over sort of several weeks and months that settles. With regards to breast reduction, um, you see it to a lesser extent. So in the first month or so after the operation, they're definitely fuller in the upper pole of the breast and the lower pole of the breast is a bit flatter because that's where you've tightened the skin. And then over that, those, those weeks, it sort of fills out. Probably not as dramatic, but you certainly see a degree of settling over the first few weeks of, of recovery. And what about bruising? Is that is there a lot of bruising that women can will see in the first couple of weeks? It's very variable. Some patients you see at one week and they look like they'd had surgery a month or more ago. And some patients are black and blue. And it's a little bit unpredictable. 
generally, if if a patient knows that they are a bruiser or a bleeder, um, they they generally tend to be after the surgery. Um, and I had a I had a patient uh, just a few weeks ago, who um, I did a little bit of liposuction on as well um, because she had what's called accessory breast tissue. So um, that's where there's actually breast tissue sitting in the fold, sort of at the front of the armpit. So it's it's an area where it, it's not actually uncommon, but it's an area that breast tissue shouldn't really be. Mm. Um, and so I'd perform some liposuction there. And even on the operating table, she went black and blue. And yeah, it took probably two, three weeks for that to settle. She had bruising down her arm and along the side of her chest. It looks more frightful than what it really is. And and she was aware, um, told me after the surgery that she was a bruiser um, <laughs> and had been previously. And it, it all settled down. Um, we often recommend icing as well after surgery. Um, it doesn't really stop bruising, but it can, um, it, it can make the areas feel a bit more comfortable. Um, if someone does have a bit more of a sort of fat or extra skin roll out the side of their chest. Um, it's an area that we um, sometimes do need to extend the scar um, and or use a bit of liposuction to help contour that shape there. And that it is a spot that tends to bruise a bit more and also be a bit more painful if someone's uh, needed that done. Richard, Kim raised liposuction for breast reduction. What exactly is that? So there'd be very few indications to reduce the breasts with liposuction alone. As we've spoken about in the previous episode, it's not just a weight reduction procedure, it's also a shaping procedure. So liposuction will not uh, improve the shape, it won't lift the position of the nipple. So it's an option that's uh, often used by non-surgeons. So there are people around town who aren't surgeons who can't do the operations that we do, and they'll offer a liposuction breast reduction with a marketing spin of saying that it's a scarless reduction. It's a scarless and shapeless breast reduction is what it is. And often if it's true breast tissue, which is very thick and fibrousy, it actually won't reduce much of the volume either. So there's not much of a place for it. Maybe in, um, in older women where they've mainly fatty breasts, but even then you're not going to shape the breast or as Kim just was talking about, on the, on the sides, on the chest wall, where there's often an extra sort of roll of um, fat in that area, we often will use it there and in the auxiliary area, as, as Kim was saying. But mm. in terms of using it as an alternative to breast reduction, pretty much no role. It's a big red flag, yeah. Absolutely. In terms of uh, just going back to the bruising, there's obviously some myths around bruising as well. What are, what are some of the, the things that you hear people think that they can do to reduce it? I, I don't think there's anything you can really do to, to treat it or really prevent it. Um, a lot of people talk about Arnica, so either tablets or the cream. No studies show really that that decreases the bruising. The main thing is, and, and this is where uh, I think some people um, get caught out, uh, there are a lot of herbal medications and vitamins and um, things like that uh, that people take um, because they think that they're healthy for them, but they actually increase your risk of um, bruising. So things like fish oil, which you think, you know, that's harmless, it's good for me for whatever reason. Mm. And so in the build-up to surgery, people often load up on these things. Unknowingly, they increase your risk of bruising and, and bleeding. So 
healthy diet, don't take any supplements. For a normal person on a normal diet, everyone will heal fine. You don't need any added supplements. And is this why it's really important to have rapport with your surgeon so you can have the discussion about things that you think might help that it could actually be harmful Absolutely. in the lead up? Yeah. Yeah. And we recommend that our patients, if they are taking any herbal medications or anything that's non-prescribed, that we ask them the questions of what they're on. Um, and we generally rec- recommend about two weeks of ceasing those before having surgery. Let's go back to shape, go through the process of shape and what it'll look like in the first week, in the first couple of months and, and when it should be where it, where it should be. So Richard mentioned before about the initial shape looking quite high and full at the top. That does settle mostly over about four to six weeks, I think. I tell patients not to go and get sized for bras until about six weeks. And after that time, they can wear underwires and wear any kind of bra or no bra, should that be their wish. Um, and that likely the shape and the size at that point at about six weeks is what um, the size is going to be long term. Um, the shape will still probably settle a little more, probably around the four month mark will be where things aren't going to change really a whole lot. Um, if the breasts are left too large still for their frame, they're still quite heavy, then absolutely the weight of that is going to um, continue to drag down over time. Um, and that's sometimes what we see from uh, other surgeons as well. I know we mentioned doing revision surgery that um, sometimes surgeons say, oh, I don't care what size you want to be, I can only make you to this. Um, and that's uh, sometimes technique related. And so we would see that patient down the track and they're like, I'm still too big, I'm already droopy again. Um, but in a in proportion breast reduction, the, the, the breasts are going to age naturally with the patient. So um, what I say is that the surgery turns um, back time, but it doesn't stop time. So um, they're still going to age naturally and change if, if a patient puts on weight, loses weight, um, but from a much, much smaller size. So any changes are going to be much less significant um, and it is really unlikely to um, be droopy again or to drop a whole lot um, for many, many years to come unless their body changes significantly or pregnancies, um, etc. You did touch on there that when, when at the four-week mark when they can start, uh, it's starting to take the shape that, that it's going to be long-term and bra shopping, should people avoid an underwire after having surgery? So our general advice is to not use an underwire for six weeks and as we talked about in the previous episodes, we provide patients with um, surgical bras, which uh, they they wear for six weeks. Um, often um, after a few weeks, some women will uh, go to a sports shop and get a sports bra that might be comfortable, um, which might be more suitable for sort of going out and things like that. But no underwire generally for uh, six weeks. And the reason for that is that it'll rub on the scar and potentially cause issues with wound healing. Now I'm going to move on to that um, idea of the boobs growing back. Um, We did discuss it before, but is that a real risk? Uh, I don't believe so, unless a patient has any significant changes with the rest of the body. So significant hormonal changes, pregnancy, breastfeeding, or sometimes menopause um, can cause breast shape uh, and size to change in an unpredictable way, either smaller or larger. 
or if a patient puts on significant amounts of weight or and or loses significant amounts of weight. Really, I believe those are the times that breasts are actually going to change and the rest of their bodies change too. The other thing, reason why breasts are seen or thought that they've um, grown back is, is if the shape has changed significantly. So um, that would generally be in a more older style technique where a lot of the volume is left in the lower part of the breast and then it drops low um, so they end up the same size actually but the the shape is poor and then they may feel like the breasts are larger again because they're just sitting similar position to where they were prior to them having surgery. And so back to the timeline, when will a woman feel back to normal? Pretty quickly after an operation like this. So you'll be feeling fairly normal with within one or two weeks really. I would say there's a proportion of women who can drive even after a week. Most would be driving by two weeks. It would be rare that it would get out to three weeks. So that's usually a really big turning point once you become independent, you can do most things. But in terms of sort of doing more exertional activities like running, jumping, skipping, you know, that's more like six weeks. Gentle walking, gentle exercise. We've got uh, an, uh, an arrangement with a, a personal trainer that patients can go and have a free consultation with. And she's done some videos of what uh, women can do in various stages of, of their recovery. And you, you can actually do quite a bit, more, probably more than what most people expect, which is good because otherwise you start getting stiff and, and also the advantage of sort of just keeping moving and, and exercising. We did discover in the breast augmentation series that doing arm weights it's, is not recommended. Is that the case with breast reductions as well? Not so much. After everything's healed, there, there would be no limitations on your activities. You can go and do some curls. Go and do some bench presses. <laughs> <laughs> Does surgery increase the risk of cancer? That's a big question that a lot of women ask. I would actually say that there's some studies that show that breast reduction surgery actually decreases the risk of breast cancer. Um, it's certainly not a reason to recommend it, um, but you're removing a large amount of breast tissue. So all that tissue that's being removed then is gone. So there's zero risk from that tissue. There's still breast gland tissue that's left behind. So it's not a, a cancer risk reducing procedure. Um, so if someone has a high risk of breast cancer with a family gene or even if they don't have a gene but they've got a um, strong family history, then they still need to be um, having regular surveillance of their breasts. Any woman that has had any type of breast surgery, uh, augmentation or breast reduction or even a lift, still needs to be very aware of themselves, um, self-examine on a monthly or regular basis and have mammogram screening when that's recommended to be done. I always tell my patients as well that when they have their first mammogram after having had surgery to make sure that they that it's documented on the form or um, that they, they tell the proceduralist that they've had surgery because there are internal tissue changes that can be seen on mammogram and or ultrasound that are related to the surgery that are not cancerous or not problematic but may look different to someone that hasn't had surgery before. And moving on into the future, do women need to come back at all after a certain point or is it once it's healed, it's good to go? Once it's healed, it's healed and unless they've got any concerns or any changes, then no, they're, they're done. So um, we say see patients up to four months 
and then they're, they're discharged if they've got no concerns or no problems. Just going back to the mammogram and imaging of breasts, it's actually much easier to image smaller breasts um, or normal sized breasts than massive ones. So, um, for example, the patients that I mentioned in the previous episode, if you've got a three or four kilo breast, trying to do a mammogram of that is one, extraordinarily painful and uncomfortable and two, extremely difficult to properly assess for the radiologist to be able to have a look at all that tissue. So whilst the operation's, you know, not really changing their cancer risk, it's, it's making any imaging or any concerns that they have much easier to visualise. So it can actually be a lifesaver for some people in the end. Hopefully. What do women report that it feels like once they've healed properly, Richard? I mean, it's universally a very satisfying procedure, both for surgeon and for patient. So it, it's almost, uh, unless their neck or back pain uh, is specifically caused by a spinal pathology, um, it almost universally resolves neck, shoulder, back pain, plus the benefits of having a, a more attractive, perky breast shape. So it, there's no sort of long-term pain issues or healing issues. So once everything's healed, it, it just becomes like what it is their normal breast and there's no ongoing maintenance other than sort of the normal routine screening that Kim was talking about. And Kim, what about you? Have your patients all all reported feeling 10 times better after the operation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the only, the only other thing is if there's patches of skin that are a little bit numb, um, so sometimes because we do the inverted T scar, like at the bottom of the breast, some areas of the skin can be uh, a little bit numb. And as the nerves to the nipples are recovering, patients can get electric shock and kind of uncomfortable type feelings. It's not it's not a severe pain as such. It's more of an electric shock and a weird, like I, I describe it as if you've slept on your arm and you wake up and it's a bit dead, it's that awake when it comes alive again so it can be a bit uncomfortable um, generally that only lasts for a relatively short period of time and then um, any numb areas and patients get used to how their feeling is um, relatively quickly um, generally any numb patches do come um, back to normal and nipple sensation can improve for months and months um, in advance um, once wounds are healed, I recommend my patients touch their scars and their breasts and get used to the, the new feelings there. And once once everything's healed and they're through that sort of four to six weeks, then it's just the, the new them and they're, they're quite used to it by then. They can enjoy the rest of their lives. Exactly. And uh, not be afraid of, uh, you know, touching or um, using their breasts, I guess. <laughs> Richard, what is the medical term for nerves growing back? Formication. You've got to be very careful how you say that. But <laughs> it's often described as a feeling like ants growing back, uh, crawling along your skin. Um, so it's all quite normal. Wow. And how, how long will that last? Oh, it can take, um, it can last for weeks or months um, as the nerves grow back. But the discomfort from it is often only a few days of patients having, you know, really uncomfortable. Mm, so if you've got creepy, crawly skin, it's all normal. Normal. Formication. One of the big questions that a lot of women are really interested in after a breast reduction is whether they can breastfeed. Is that a possibility? The important thing to understand is not all women can breastfeed. So it's so there's a, a reasonably high percentage, whether it's 30 or 40% of women who 
without any surgery can't breastfeed. Um, after having a breast reduction, depending a little bit on the technique, um, the number is usually around about the same. Might be maybe a little bit um, more who can't breastfeed, but um, you, you, there's no way, obviously, of doing a study to see whether they're the same women who couldn't breastfeed before. So often, women with large breasts can't breastfeed anyway. It's theoretically possible that it may become easier for them to breastfeed, but generally you can't really prove it because uh, not many women have the breast reduction, sort of having breastfed one and then go on to breastfeed, so usually before or after they're breastfeeding. Um, so, but if you, if they're unable to breastfeed, then they won't be able to breastfeed. There's no way of, it, it's not a technical problem. It, it's just the breast tissue that got removed um, is that no longer there and it's not connected to the and or it's not connected to the, the nipple. And so um, even if they're making milk, it can't come out through the, uh, through the nipple. Um, and it's also maybe even related to sensation. So the whole way that women breastfeed is that it's a feedback loop. So the, the sensation of the baby on the nipple stimulates a hormone in the brain, which then makes the milk come out. And so if there's anything that's not working in that circuit, then they're unable to breastfeed. Is there anything that women can do to make it more likely that they won't be in that cohort? No. no. Unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, it's and it's it is similar with the sensation. You can plan the surgery, but it, it's planned in a way that we hope to capture the nerves that give feeling to the nipple, but they're so small we don't we don't see them, so we can't it's not something that we can dissect out and actually say, "Yes, I preserved the nerves and I preserved X number of ducts and glands to your nipple. Um, it's a little bit random and unpredictable. And even in um, the same patient with the same operation, the two sides can be different. Um, so it's something to be uh, to take into consideration before having surgery. And even more interesting, you can actually lose touch sensation um, separate to erotic sensation. So they're sort of different nerves. So you you could lose erotic sensation but still have normal touch sensation so that can it can be quite variable and it can you can do the same operation obviously on each breast and one breast uh, retains all the sensation and, and one may not so it's a bit unpredictable so you said that the last checkup is at four months um, is that when you expect that women should they should look their shape looks the same and that's all done and dusted yeah, generally that that should be the shape should be fairly settled. The only thing, probably that is still to fully resolve is is the scar. So scar maturation can take a year, it can take eighteen months, it can take two years. Um, you often see scars continuing to improve even with our laser treatments and the the, the taping. Everyone just the scars mature at a different rate. But so what what we're talking about there is the redness. So. Scars over time will become pale and, and more of a white colour, but in the early phase they can still be a little bit red. Great. Well, that was very interesting, Richard and Kim. Thank you so much. I just want to flag to our listeners that next week is a super exciting episode. Uh, I won't give away too much, but we're going to have Richard and Kim back in the studio. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having us, Alex. See you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. 
If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media. If you want to put any questions to our experts or join the conversation, head on over to our Re Girls Facebook group. 